The Saturday Night Live team has announced the upcoming season will feature the first non-binary cast member. Yeah, Molly Kearney, which doesn't doesn't seem like a terribly non-binary name, but they use the pronouns they, them, or something. I don't know. They recently appeared in the Disney's Mighty Ducks reboot, which I know you saw, and Amazon Prime's reboot of A League of their own. I, don't, is she, I thought she was non-binary. How can she play roles on any of these shows unless she's playing a non-binary character? As we have been told over and over again, you cannot appropriate someone else's culture. Only a female baseball player can be in a league of their own. But congratulations to Molly on joining the sinking ship that currently is Saturday Night Live, which lost, I think, eight cast members to go along with the eight fans that they had left. So that's wonderful. Although I, I couldn't help but get a a sense of deja vu from long, long ago. Yes, I don't know, 30 years ago. What was the name of that wonderful sketch? A lot of people say, what's that? It's Pat. A lot of people ask, who's he or she? A man or a sir, except him or her, or whatever it might be. It's time for androgyny. Here comes Pat. I, you know, when that sketch was on, I don't remember even thinking it was controversial. And now, like, I'm stunned to actually see it. I can't even believe it was on the air. Oh, oh those were the days. Julia Sweeney. Ah, yes, her abomination of a character from early 90s Saturday Night Live, which, may I remind you, had a freaking movie made out of it. The bit of whether you could tell if it was a girl or a boy, they made a movie out of Pat at that point. They're not all Wayne's World, I'll tell you that. But it did receive one of the worst ratings of all time. Uh, so congratulations on that. I mean, Dave Foley, what were you doing? Uh, you're better than that, and shame on you uh, for all of your crimes. Listen, all this madness has to stop. There's a reason nobody wants to be on this crappy, conservative, bashing, sketch show mess anymore. And that reason is this. Instead of focusing on your cast member's genitals, you should be focusing on your cast member's ability to actually be funny. Stu does America. Ah, yes, back from vacation. BlazeTV.com slash Stu is the place to go. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video right now. I mean, you got a whole week off from clicking like on my stupid channel, so please do it right now. We definitely appreciate it. Brian Lilly is going to join us from Canada with a humongous story, and I mean, it's like gigantic. We have the video to prove it, and it will be disturbing. 60 Minutes managed to get some pure, unfiltered Biden on tape, and of course it was the catastrophe that you would expect. But we start by doing the left's migrant hypocrisy. What a week to be away. Oh yes. It was interesting to watch all of this play out in real time. The migrant hypocrisy of the left. And I just can't believe how pure it is. It is crystal, crystal clear. And the situation, of course, being Texas, Arizona, and now Florida are getting involved in shipping migrants up to blue states, sanctuary cities. The, maybe the highest profile example happened when Ron DeSantis uh, sent some 50 uh, illegal immigrants up to uh, Martha's Vineyard, an island off the coast of Massachusetts. And it's done for a very specific reason, to prove a very, very specific point, which is, you guys always say you're sanctuary cities. You say all you want to do is take care of illegal immigrants because those darn red states are always complaining about it. But here, us, 
thousands of miles safe from the border. We really want them here. We swear we really, really do until they actually show up. And this is the point being made. If you're going to be a sanctuary city, then go ahead, be a sanctuary then. Do it. Let's see how that works out for you. And we're seeing it immediately with incredible results that I don't think anyone could have possibly foreseen. Uh, if Martha's Vineyards tried to prove it cares about immigrants, uh, it failed miserably. And it's true. It happened so quickly. 50 migrants, 50, 50 showed up in a, in, on an island and all the sudden panic was everywhere. We've seen the same thing with a few thousand in big cities like Washington, D.C., New York, and Chicago. Panic setting forth. Why? Why is it happening like this? It's almost as if this is a burden and difficult to deal with. Um, National Review helpfully points out, pointed out the statistical uh, relevance of this. Martha Vineyard is now just 24,000 migrants away from equally sharing Del Rio, Texas, and their burden. That's the ratio you'd have to have, uh, not 50, but 24,000 to show up in Martha's Vineyard. That is, of course, not what happened here. It was 50 immigrants, not 24,000. And how exactly can you be a sanctuary city if you can't handle 50 migrants for two days? Within 48 hours, they'd shipped them all off the island. Now, I understand that you're an island and you're maybe not prepared for this, but isn't this an interesting look into the rest of the country and what they're dealing with all the freaking time? And you might say, well, what do you know? You know, you're just some guy. You're sitting in Texas. I mean, you know, sure, you've seen the border stuff maybe a little bit in Texas, but you don't know the situation that was going on in Martha's Vineyard. And that, and that might be normally true, but I, you know, none of your other hosts did this for you. No, none of your other hosts. They all abandoned you in this difficult time. You might say, uh, Stu, you were on vacation. Was I, though? Was I on vacation? Because here's the thing. When all of this was going on, I was doing extensive research. Mm-hmm. That's right. I, I, I've told you this before. I predict these things way in advance. And that's why I prepared for this week and what was going on to do deep, intensive research on this particular region. I want to show you a map. Here we go. You got a map of Martha's Vineyard there. Uh, let me show you where the Mar Martha's Vineyard is. Give you a little arrow to kind of show you exactly where Martha's Vineyard is. It's a little island off the coast of, uh, of Massachusetts. I think it's something like 17,000 population. Now, you'll, one thing you might, if you don't know Martha's Vineyard, maybe you've heard it because you've heard Barack Obama has a house there. Let me give you another piece of history that you might know that's right nearby. Right here is Chappaquiddick. So you might... That one you might be familiar with and kind of understand what exactly is going on uh, in this particular region. It's a lot of place where big heavy hitters in the Democratic Party gather to have fun and frivolity in the wonderful summer. It's a beautiful, beautiful island. And then let me show you where I was last week. Not in the middle of the news, but adjacent to it. That is Nantucket. It's the island basically next door to Martha's Vineyard and Chappaquiddick. And it's where I was last week when all of this was happening. And, you know, it was interesting to hear the coverage sitting in this uh, on this island and understanding the horror show they seem to make it out to be. You know, I went there by choice. I didn't get a free flight 
to Nantucket. I had to pay for mine. I am here legally as a citizen and nobody was offering me free trips to Nantucket. Why not? Where was my charter jet? I didn't get any of that. I had to connect, connect, mind you, once in New York and once in Boston. I had to take a puddle jumper on one of the flights. One of them, the air conditioning was not working all that well and I was overheated and it was bumpy. That's the life I'm living, okay? But this horror show that they're explaining to you all the time, let me just give you a couple pictures that I, I'm not a good picture taker on vacation. I don't like taking pictures on vacation. I just wanna exist and do the thing. But let me give you a couple of pictures that I took while I was there in the next island over from this horror show, this immigrant apocalypse that was going on in Martha's Vineyard. Here's one, this is the beach. What a nice pic, does that seem like a horror show? To you, how about a wonderful north, uh, northeastern light, uh, lighthouse? Look at that. Look at this. That's an incredible picture. First of all, award-winning. I might hang it up at my house. But look at that. And I thought to myself, you know, who are the people dealing with everything going on there? You know, this case, and, and this is part of the plan here when it comes to sending people to Martha's Vineyard. Nantucket is kind of a little more uh, Republican area. And I mean northeastern Republican uh, area. But... You know, they sent him to Martha's Vineyard instead of Nantucket for a reason, but they're very similar islands. Obviously, they're right next door to each other. Um, let me just show you. This. Uh, here's one of the houses I was, <laughs> just went by. Not a bad little house. I mean, it's, you know, no more than, I don't know, 12, 13 bedrooms. And uh, not a bad little view of the ocean. Not too bad. And then this one was kind of, I don't know, was this over the top? I mean this wonderful house that they built up on this uh, cliff. There's some beach erosion going on, guys, so they did have to move. I think it was this house or it was one next door to it. They had to actually move the entire house back 50 feet so it wouldn't fall into the ocean. But there it is on a bluff overlooking the sea. I think this is the, if I remember right, this might be the Yankee Candle guy, the guy who owns Yankee Candle. Not a bad little development he's got there. Looks like a city, but no, it was just a house. It's just a house. Now. I know I paid literally to go there uh, this uh, past week, and I know that a lot of people do that. It's kind of like a vacation hotspot. So the fact that the, uh, the migrants had to be, quote unquote, and they were really saying this, quote unquote, kidnapped and taken to Martha's freaking vineyard where it was 78 degrees all week with a breeze, I don't know. Doesn't sound quite as bad as their trek through Panama, but maybe, maybe I'm... I'm mistaken on that one. All right. So now, you know, I did extensive research. And now let's get into some of the accusations. A lot of people are saying, well, it's a stunt. This is just a stunt. Sending illegal immigrants from border states to the Northeast is just a stunt. And here's the thing. It's kind of just a stunt. Okay? And it's important to understand what I mean by that. Because obviously, sending a few buses or planes of illegal immigrants to blue areas does not solve our problem on the border. It's not really a policy all that much other than a stunt to make a point. And that's the thing. It might not be a policy. It might not solve the problem, but it is making the point so crystal clear in ways that how could, how could anyone possibly imagine it would be going this well? Let me give you one example of this. NBC News gutted after deleting tweet with, quote, comparing Martha's Vineyard migrants to trash. Now, wow, that's 
quite a tweet. I mean, maybe maybe the right wing is just, you know, they're 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 taking the tweet out of context or something. Well, let me give you the whole thing. Fl- Florida Governor Ron DeSantis sending asylum seekers to Martha's Vineyard is like, quote, me taking my trash out and just driving to different areas where I live and just throwing my trash there. A founding member of a foundation which helps with refugees say says now I'm sure they no longer work with the organization after that quote. But here's the thing. It's bad enough that they wouldn't understand how terrible that that quote sounds. And certainly a Republican compared illegal immigrants to trash would be dragged for sure. But then they went ahead and deleted the tweet. Why? Why would NBC News delete that tweet? It's an actual quote from an activist. And it makes a very salient point on the on the issue of illegal immigrants, mainly that it's a burden. It's a problem. And it's difficult for these communities to deal with it, just like trash being left somewhere would be difficult to deal with. That doesn't mean that, you know, trash isn't part of our world. Doesn't mean that illegal immigrants are bad. You're not comparing them to trash. But you're just saying it's a burden. And if you don't plan ahead, it's difficult to deal with the burden. But NBC clearly is covering for this illegal immigrant organization. Why? It's not their job to, uh, to I don't know, to launder the quotes from illegal immigrant organizations. Or, now that I think about it, is it, maybe it is their job, because it seems to be the job they're doing all the time, obviously fighting for one side of the equation here. It's just what the media does, and it's a crystal clear example of it. We need to remember, though, who started all this. It wasn't Ron DeSantis. It was Greg Abbott, and this has been incredibly great for Greg Abbott. If you are not from Texas, you might not understand what the last couple of years have been like here. You know, we've had um, other hosts that are in the other parts of the country living in blue states, and they come down here and they say to me all the time, oh, we've got to get somebody like Greg Abbott in our state. That's not the feeling of conservatives in this state. We know that uh, our friend Chad Prather ran (laughs) literally the primary to unseat Greg Abbott because of something that was really widely held by conservatives, a feeling that Greg Abbott really didn't live up to the billing of a true conservative, someone who would fight all the time for conservative values. And there's some validity to that. However, this just speaking politically for a second here, this has been an incredible thing for Greg Abbott. You know, when he first announced it, I thought, okay, it's, it's good symbolism. It's a bit of a stunt. I kind of like it. Kind of makes me smile. And that's about it. But just the reactions from the Democratic mayors and politicians in the Northeast has been worth every penny and much, much more. They're all freaking out. Now, I would have thought if I was, a, you know, if I'm the mayor of New York City and I get, you know, a bus of 100 migrants to my city, I say, look, I know what the, the, the governor down there in Texas thinks he's doing here. He's, he's sending his trash up to us. But I'll tell you what, we are going to take these people and just like the message on the Statue of Liberty, send us your tired, your poor, that whole shtick, send them to us because we will embrace it here. And you know what? It's not too much of a burden. We will do this and we will do it proudly. We love having these people here. Even if you didn't mean word one of that, that's what you should say if you're the mayor of New York or D.C. or Chicago. Instead, all of them have just freaked out immediately. Two buses show up and they act as if it's the biggest issue in their entire city. They're crying for help. They say they don't have resources. These cities with multi-million dollar homeless budgets can't even manage the slightest influx of illegal immigrants, while Texas and Arizona and other border states are left to deal with it all the freaking time. So that has worked out very, very well. And it's gone quite a ways. 
to alleviate some of the earlier issues around COVID and some other issues that conservatives had, the base had with Greg Abbott. It's been incredibly good for him. And the other part of the criticism of Abbott from the right here in Texas has been, wait a minute, we're freaking Texas. Now, I'm new to Texas. I came down here, you know, what, now it's been 11 years, but, you know, relatively new to Texas. I was not born here. I'm not a Texan other than the fact that I just really liked it, so I wanted to move here. But what I will say is what people in Texas think are just like, wait a minute, we're Texas. We're supposed to be the best at everything. That's how that's how Texas sees it. And honestly, they're right about it a lot of the time. And one of the things one of the big complaints about the covid era with Abbott was look at DeSantis. DeSantis keeps beating us all to the punch. We've seen we've talked about it on the show. I know Chad Prather has brought this up himself. The fact that Abbott keeps leading and then or excuse me, DeSantis keeps leading and then Abbott keeps following. Over and over and over and over again, that seemed to happen through the COVID era. Well, this one is the opposite. Abbott led this one where DeSantis is now following with his flights to uh, Martha's Vineyard. Now, as DeSantis tends to do, maybe he uh, kind of escalated it even farther with the flights to a tiny island. But it's interesting to see that play out. It's a great thing for Greg Abbott. And by the way, no, I don't think a coincidence. Abbott has now widened his lead over Beto O'Rourke in the latest poll. Uh, This is uh, now has um, uh, Abbott up nine points in the latest poll uh, from Texas. So this is a good thing for Greg Abbott. Now, if we're looking for anything critical here, because I will say I like this. I like the policy. I think it's a good policy. I don't think it's harmful. I showed you the pictures from the area. It's pretty freaking sweet. So it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not the terror show that the media is letting out to be. Are there any issues here? And I will say there is, this is the only thing I will say here is look, when you're doing this, just don't lie. Don't lie. And, and a lot of people will say, well, you know, they're illegal immigrants. So what if they tell them some lies here? This is the headline. Now, this is, I want to I follow me on this because there's, there's some important disclaimers on this one, but migrants sent to Martha's Vineyard say they were duped by a woman named Perla who paid them $200 and promised a better life in Massachusetts. And we're hearing over and over again that these lies happen. There is very limited evidence, if any, that this actually occurred. We didn't hear much of this at all from the illegal immigrants until they got in touch with lawyers, uh, immigration lawyers from uh, Massachusetts who poured in once they arrived in Martha's Vineyard. They went to meet them on site, of course. Nothing to do with how nice it is in Martha's Vineyard. They went there. They met them on site. They made big pronouncements. All of these pronouncements said very different things than the migrants were saying initially. So did anyone actually lie to them? I don't know. But I will say. It's important not to lie to them. You should tell them the truth. Uh, If they tell them where they're going, don't lie to them. Don't say they're getting anything that they're not getting. Just be honest with them and play this out straight. And I will say, like, a lot of people will argue, well, it's, you know, it's justifiable. They're breaking the law. Who cares if we lie to them or not? I understand that idea. But, like, I just don't want to be the left. I don't want to be them. I don't want to do the things that they do. I want to make sure that we're above board on this and we win in a principled position. What I see this as is a principled position and we're fighting fire with fire. This is a way to be aggressive and also highlight this problem by being honest and 
doing it all above board. And that's where I think we want to land here. We don't need to break rules. Our points are better. Our arguments are better. And in the long term, they will win if we're honest and we do things above board. And I do think, I don't, again, I don't think there's any real evidence we didn't do this here. But I just want to make sure, in case we find that out later, that we do, uh, we do, we do hit that one. And here's the thing. What, what the left is saying and what the media is saying is they misled these people by telling them they had, they had shelter waiting for them. And it's like, well, they, it's a sanctuary city, right? Like, they keep promising they're going to take care of these people and that, you know, people in red states can't. Let me give you a quote. This is from, uh, this is a, from a, a, a news conference with Eric Adams, the bumbling mayor of New York City, uh, talking about uh, shelter in these sanctuary cities. Watch. Can you say right now that there is enough space for all the asylum seekers at this moment? As every asylum seeker that comes to New York will have shelter by law. We're required and we're going to do that. Got it? This is something that you might not know about New York. They have a right to shelter law. Literally, this is why the homeless argument makes no sense in New York City. They literally have a law that any person who wants shelter will be provided by the city. So sending people to New York is guaranteeing them shelter. Doesn't sound like quite a lie to me. Here's a clip from MSNBC. Again, this is the spin that they hated this. They were being duped. Here's an MSNBC reporter talking and hearing from the migrants about what they are actually saying. There's activists here, Jose, that are saying that these people were victims of human trafficking. They want an investigation mm. from the Justice Department onto what Governor DeSantis is doing, what Governor Greg Abbott is doing, because they're saying that these people are being abused and used uh, to bring a border crisis deeper into the country. Now, I can't tell you they are not angry at uh, Ron DeSantis. They are actually thanking him for having brought them to Martha's Vineyard, oh. where they were they were very well received. I Other bet. people, well, they're saying they're being used as political pawns. They don't resent it for now, uh, and they know they're the lucky one. <laughs> they were very well received, and then they were sent out of town within 48 hours. By the way, did you see that guy walk by in, like, the Nantucket red shorts? You, you can't be, I don't think you could be oppressed in an area where people are wearing Nantucket red shorts. I just don't, my personal opinion. Look, let me give you the next one. And here's the thing, maybe the biggest part of this. All the problems that these de- Democrats are saying here up in the Northeast, all the problems that they're having with illegal immigrants are the same ones that Texas is complaining about all the time. I mean, listen to this clip. This is from a podcast uh, this morning. Quick clip, kind of giving you a, a summary of what some of the issues that they're worried about here in the Northeast. First off, if, if city officials don't know how many migrants are coming, they don't know how many beds that shelters need to be available. Okay, good point, right? Well, it's the same point that people in Texas make all the time. They don't know they're coming either. They don't know how many are coming either. This is what they're dealing with all the time. Look, the truth is, it's time for the left to put up or shut up. They have been encouraging and incentivizing illegal immigration for decades. And why not? It's the red border states that have to deal with all the consequences. Then instead of profuse thank yous, which is what should be happening, they complain about every possible example of mistreatment, real or imagined, and then call red states racist haters for not showing compassion. Then when it's time for them, the the blue states, to actually do something, chip in a little bit, and take a tiny slice of the responsibility, they act as if it's the illegal alien apocalypse. Of course, all of the things they are saying are true. Yes, it's impossible to deal with. Yes, 
You never know who is coming or how many are coming or where you'll get the resources to deal with the people that are coming and where they'll end up. You don't know. You don't know if they're criminals. You don't know if they're legitimate cases of asylum or if they even speak English or anything else about them. You don't know. Just like Texas and Arizona don't know. Every day times a thousand or more. Yeah, you're right. It is a burden. Yes, you're right. It is impossible to deal with. Yes, you're right. There is no way to do this. This is no way to deal with the illegal immigration crisis. You're right. That's what we've been saying. When you're the victim of all of this, you suddenly see the light. Good. You deserve all of this and so much more. Oh, I had some wonderful trees in our backyard and they were fantastic until one day it got cold and they all died. And then I replaced them because, I mean, that's a once in a lifetime thing, right? And so I, it caused global warming. So we know, obviously, it's never going to get cold again. And so we replaced those trees with the same trees and then it got cold again. And guess what happened? This time we wrapped them all <laughs> um, and then they died again, which was great. Then I went to fastgrowingtrees.com and I went there and I put in my exact location. And what fastgrowingtrees.com did is they were able to tell me and give me a big list of all the trees that will actually live at the temperature and climate where I am. So I could look at all of them and know that this was the appropriate area. We have not had this problem since. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped to your door in a couple of days. Whether you're looking for you know, some, maybe some added privacy, some shade, natural beauty to your yard, Fast Growing Trees has in-house experts ready to help you make the right selection with growing and care advice available 24-7. If you're not a green thumb, which I am absolutely not, as I just admitted to you, uh, just go to Fast Growing Trees. They've got over a million happy Fast Growing Trees customers across the country, plus with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, you can trust everything will be healthy for years to come. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash stew. You'll get 15% off your entire order now through October 15th. 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash stew. Fastgrowingtrees.com slash stew. Okay, I'm about to show you a picture and some video, and you're not going to believe it's real. You're going to think I made it up. You're going to think we photoshopped it or something. But I, I swear this is true, and it comes from our friend Brian Lilly up in Canada, who texted me this weekend, sorry to ruin your Sunday. He's a columnist for the Toronto Sun. Brian, you've brought us fresh horrors here to, to the United States uh, from Canada, and we do appreciate this so, so much. Uh, Brian, can you please tell me why and how you ruined my Sunday? This was posted to an online site that um, uh, it's a woman who tracks the, the trans movement and what she's uh, in, when it comes to issues that she believes are detrimental to women. Mm -hmm. And I was sent the story that uh, this woman had posted about a high school teacher in Oakville, Ontario, that is just, you know, it's a suburb of Toronto. It's a little bit west of, uh, of the city and, uh, you know, very affluent, suburban, upper middle class. I was gonna say middle class. No, it's upper middle class area. and. It was a teacher, who, a shop teacher, who had transitioned from being a, a man to a woman, and 
okay, fine, but that's not what the video was about. That's not what the photos were about. This was about someone showing up at school with the biggest uh, prosthetic breasts you've ever seen, um, fake boobs from here to Texas and trying to operate a saw. And my first reaction to was one, is, is this a joke? Secondly, it, and you're showing the video now, that's a, that's a hazard in shop class. Those are getting in the way of the saw. This is not good. I think there's a real chance that the saw, I mean, look, thank, thankfully, they're, I guess they're prosthetic, but who knows? They could, be, they could pull a person in to the machinery. I mean, it really does look legitimately un- unsafe. Let me show you a still from this video here, a picture. And this is re- real. Oh, now, th- this- you've got those little black dots on there covering the things that violate the school's dress code. Because the school's dress code says you can't show nipples much like the Blaze or <laughs> Instagram. Right, but. which is a fascinating part of this because here is, we are, I guess this school is, because they seem to be standing by, and I want to get the update of what they're actually doing here, but they are allowing this shop teacher to be there with gigantic prosthetic breasts. I mean, and, and you know, for, for those listening on podcasts, I'm not talking about like, I, I don't know how to describe, I mean, they're, they're not, I don't think they're possible humanly, like not naturally, like this is not well, only is I it- don't think those are implants because I don't <laughs> think you could get implants that big and no it's not we, even like we, Anna Nicole Smith it's it's like three three x Anna Nicole Smith is what we're talking about here yeah and 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 we're talking about um you know the, they're literally what guys used to call breast when we were kids you know Watermelons. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> a, a giant family-sized watermelon. Two of them uh, shoved into a shirt um, and tiny little bike shorts. Yes, underneath. And, and so we have at the blaze taken the step to actually black out the nipple portion of of this of this extravaganza, because you know uh, we are a news show and we've blacked it out. This is going in the kids' classroom uh, every day. And they are not getting the benefit of the little black bar that we've put on this particular photo. And it kind of proves a point here. The fact that you can't put it on Instagram where they show lots of stuff, but not this. However, it's okay to be in a school shop class. So when this first came out, we had people sending it to us. And and then we had people saying, why aren't you running the story? Because all these other places are. Well, all the other places are not major daily newspapers. Right. Um, I am part of the dreaded mainstream medias too. Mm-hmm. Please forgive me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, we actually have standards within our company. We can't just say, oh, look, somebody posted a picture and said it's a teacher from this place. Let's run with it. No, you've got to actually do journalism, like call the school, try and contact the teacher, try and contact the school board, find out, is this real? We, we had serious questions if this was a fake or a joke or uh, because, look, transitioning or not, that the wig is so fake. <laughs> the prosthetic breasts are so large. You know, is this, you know, someone that didn't make it into the um, the the drag brunch down the street uh, and they decided to go to shop class? Uh, it, it is over the top in in the presentation extremely over the top but you know the the school um confirmed it the school board confirmed it my colleague joe warmington checked it out um 
they're standing by. And in fact, it, they said, we're uh, coming up with a security plan for Monday morning because we expect there to be protests against this teacher and, and we're a, a safe and inclusive school and, and we're there to protect this teacher. So we sent a photographer and a reporter out to uh, Oakville this morning to stake out the school, see what was going on and nothing happened. I, I'm sure that there are parents and different groups calling the school and calling the school board and saying, look, this is too much, this is over the top. It even, as I said, violates the school dress code. But there, there was no angry mob outside the school, um, you know, painting people in effigy or, or, or declaring uh, harm to anyone, mm. uh, which is how the, the school board uh, portrayed it. They, you know, they were very worried about a backlash as opposed to any concern about, is this appropriate? They're just saying it's appropriate. And I'm sure there's going to be an awful lot of parents who disagree with that. I mean, it's absolutely remarkable. And I will say, like, you know, the, the, the I know the gender thing can cause controversy and there are people who have different you know opinions on it. But this what this person is doing is not a gender. Right. Like these are comically large breasts with giant protruding nipples in the middle of a shop class where she's trying, I mean, trying to lean over and get control of the saw making it impossible to do the work. I mean, it is completely absurd and ridiculous. This is not even a normal, you know, they, typical- They get in the way of the of the saw. <laughs> this is why I said my, my second reaction after is this real is, you're gonna get injured. Yeah. Um, I, I remember, you know, I had a bunch of friends who went from shop class into working in the trades after high school. They weren't allowed to wear ties. They weren't allowed to wear jewelry. You couldn't wear a ring, all these rules because you've got to stay safe. I think this would violate an awful lot of workplace uh, violations. It, you know, it, it, it's not as if they're they're natural and nothing can be done about it. By the looks of it, these are strapped on every morning. Oh yeah, I mean, with a harness. I mean, they look, they look incredibly heavy. Um, this is, I guess, like, trying to get to the bottom of this is so strange. I think if this happened in the United States, however, uh, you know, if this happened in a school in the United States, I think they would have been right with the protest. I think there would have been people out there. Often, I don't know. Martha's Vineyard, you know, I've been seeing them in the news a lot. Maybe okay. not. Maybe, maybe not in Martha's Vineyard. That's true. Uh, but I will say, like, it, you know, there have been a lot of push, a lot of pushback over types of events, not even this egregious here in the United States. And I often think of Canada as, of course, you know, I love Canada, America's team, the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, you know, I, I often see uh, Canada as a little bit ahead of us, right? Like a little bit ahead going down these 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 uh, left-wing roads, these woke roads. I've lately been starting to question whether that's true. And I think, you know, looking at this, I, maybe you're still a little bit ahead of us, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is starting to just become the way of the world. And I, I, I don't think the Amer a good chunk of the American people, at least, are going are gonna to take that. I'm sure that if you surveyed most Canadian parents, most parents at the school, they would they they would have issue and they would take issue with with what's going on, whether they want to be supportive of a, a teacher who is transitioning or is trans or you know whatever situation they happen to be in. I'm sure there would be supportive of that, um, you know, going with the old Depeche Mode line that people are people. but. There, this is taking it that step further. And, uh, you know, I've even heard from, from some people who are very much on board with the trans movement but said this is making a mockery of it. Others are saying, how dare you judge? Well, we make judgments every day, 
all the time of all kinds of people. And you and I are going to be judged for what we say here. Judging is part of being a human. Um, are you being fair or are you not? I'm not sure this is fair to the students. Mm. I mean, it's certainly got to be insanely distracting to try to actually learn something in the class. Let me ask you this. Let me give you this last one. We, were, we started the show talking about Saturday Night Live has a new uh, non-binary cast member that is joining uh, the sketch comedy show. And we kind of flashed back to uh, their, their, sh their segment from the 90s, It's Pat. Which was, a, mm -hmm. if you remember that, it was like, I don't yeah. know, is it a boy, is it a girl now, what is it? I don't know, it's just Pat. And it was kind of a mockery of this type of stuff. And over a 30-year period, it went from something that they would actually mock to actually you know, putting someone on their cast that is, that is non-binary and goes by they and them. And we see this incrementalism constantly with this. And it's, I think it's difficult for conservatives to deal with because we naturally are, we are live and let live people. Like, you know, do what you want to do. I don't want the government cracking down. I want you to be able to live your life and do what you're going to do. But I think there's an increasing part of conservatives that are saying, we need to do more because this sort of slippery slope thing is real. And over years and decades, the entire culture changes. What do we do about this, Brian? Uh, well, if you're Jordan Peterson, you speak up about it about six years ago at the University of Toronto when they started bringing in their pronoun policy. And, and you, uh, at the same time, uh, write incredibly successful books, launch podcasts, and be vilified all at the same time. Mm. Uh, look, these are, are difficult conversations, but let's have them. And instead, what most people are finding out is that um, a view that was acceptable five minutes ago will now get you denounced and, and you don't know why or how it happened. I think that's what leaves a lot of people uncomfortable is that without any discussion, the rules change. And it, you know, often these are discussions that if they happen at all, they happen in the, the confines of the academic world where most of us don't live. We don't spend all of our time on university campuses uh, having intimate and intricate discussions about this. We're out working. We're raising families, we're living lives, and then suddenly there's a decision made on some liberal campus and, and the entire rules around society have changed on that issue. Mm. And, and you better keep up or you're wrong, you're a bigot, you're, uh, and, and you're thinking, but wait a minute, I had the right opinions five minutes ago. Yeah. I, I, I thought I was on board with everything. Yeah. Right. And then suddenly it's all changed again. We have to stop doing that to, to the general public. People... Are, are having a hard time keeping up, and, and I can't blame them. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the 30-year transition time for SNL is quaint, uh, honestly. Now, not only do they change every five minutes, you're held retroactively to the standard that did not exist at the time for things you said years ago. I mean, it, it really is absurd. Uh, Brian Lilly, uh, columnist for the Toronto Sun. As this, if, if anything, it does happen, Brian, let us know. But as of right now, it seems like status quo, this teacher will remain and no real protest about it. Uh, Brian at the uh, Toronto Sun, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thank you, Stu. Go Blue Jays. Well, I went super duper long with my little vacation slideshow uh, earlier in the program. Uh, so we're running super late. Um, I do want to tell you about Blaze TV, though. BlazeTV.com slash Stu is a place to go to subscribe, be part of the movement. We've been doing lots of great things here, lots of great journalism, new shows. I've seen a couple of them in the works, which I'm pretty excited about. It's going to be a lot of great stuff coming. Of course, you get Glenn and Steven Crowder and Mark Levin and Chad Prather and all the great shows here on The Blaze. When you subscribe, BlazeTV.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu.
right, when it comes to liberals in Congress, there's no way they would ever accept term limits, right? We all know that. And yet, they're now fighting tooth and the nail to impose term limits on Supreme Court justices. Ah, term limits for thee, but not for me. Does it sound hypocritical? Of course it does. But since when has that ever stopped the left? They do whatever it takes to seize more power, even if it means purging Supreme Court justices that are the most experienced. To no one's surprise, their new court purging scheme would remove, shockingly, conservative justices like Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito. It's so weird they weren't pitching this when RBG was still there. Uh, of course, then they would be replaced with new justices who would rubber stamp their agenda. So Democrats are working hard to do this. We need to stop it. First Liberty Institute is the place to, to do it. They've been doing great work at the Supreme Court for a while. We've been talking about them now for years. We love these guys. And if you don't want them uh, having the Supreme Court taken over by political hacks, you got to visit their website and join the movement. SupremeCoup.com. Don't let them have a coup at the Supreme Court. It's SupremeCoup.com, C-O-U-P, SupremeCoup.com. Mr. President, as you know, last Tuesday, mm -hmm. the annual inflation rate came in at 8.3%. Uh, the stock market nosedived. Yeah, People are shocked mm -hmm. by their grocery bills. Mm -hmm. What can you do better or and all. faster? Well, first of all, let's put this in perspective. Yeah, let's do that. Inflation rate month to month was just, uh, 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 just an inch. That's hardly at all. True. You're not arguing that 8.3 is good news. No, I'm not saying it's good news, but it was 8.2 or 8.2 before. I mean, it's not, you're, maybe I can make it sound like all of a sudden, my God, it went to 8.2%. It's, <laughs> it's the highest inflation rate, Mr. President, in 40 years. I got that. But Did guess you get what it? we are. Mm -hmm. We're in a position where for the last several months it hasn't spiked. It has just barely, it's been basically even. Is this a defense? Uh, I don't understand. What is he trying to do here? Basically say, well, it didn't just spike. It's just been really bad for a long time. So that's much better. See, that's why I'm a good president. You don't get credit for keeping the problem going for a very long time. Or I will point out, taking it from the worst ever to the second worst ever. That's not a good thing either. All these things are bad things. You're supposed to try to do better than that. If, for example, we had inflation hit for a big uh, peak and then come right back down, this would be an argument to make. One might even call it, I don't know, transitory. But see, that's long gone. Now we have long extended hellscape. So saying that it's been even when it's been really, really terrible for a very long time is not a good, good argument. However, he did come around to something that I know we thought a long time ago, but he's just coming around to this realization. Check this one out. Is the pandemic over? The pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. Uh, hmm. It's but the pandemic is over. It if you is? notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I think this is a perfect example of it. Wait, you, Mr. President, were wearing a mask, walking to your helicopter outside like two days ago. I will say I give him credit because he wasn't actually wearing a mask when he said that, which is more than I expect out of Joe Biden. But hey, the pandemic is over, everybody. You know, the, the most entertaining part about this is not even, you know, Biden obviously saying it's over to try to win the election. But to watch the COVID freakout people on Twitter react to Biden, they, they've lost their mind. They think he's the worst person in the world now. It's not over. It's not over. We want to hold on to it. We promise. Back in a second.
Okay, check out stewdoesmerch.com. Yes, stewdoesmerch.com. Get 10% off with the promo code stew10, I think it is. Yeah, stew10. Anyway, check it out. Get all your merch, including the Senility Now shirt, which may apply very much to Joe Biden, considering he's saying COVID is over, but still justifying tons and tons of spending based on it. I don't know how that works, but neither does he.